averaging the fewest air yards per attempt. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yards per attempt. everybody what is up what is going on another fresh edition yards per attempt it is the 21st day of december in the year 2020 it's christmas week everybody merry christmas to everybody out there that listens really appreciate it hope you spend some good time with family and friends and get to uh put this year behind us a little bit merry christmas to everybody thanks for listening hopefully we make it a better 2021 we are a few days after the Raiders lost to the L.A. Chargers, bringing their record to 7-7 seven and seven on the season. And there's a lot to unpack here, folks. A lot. There, I wanted to start here. There is a phrase that I will never utter ever again when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. There's a phrase that I've said on this podcast. I've tweeted it. Obviously, I was an idiot. And that phrase is winnable games. Now, let's dive into that a little bit. Back-to-back years, this team is 6-3, and as we all know. And we've had two back-to-back collapses after 6-3. and When it looked like we had, and I'm doing a serious air quote right now in my home, Winnable games coming up. I am never going to say that ever again for two reasons. Number one, the NFL is the most unpredictable sport out there. I know it's cliche to say, but every, any given week, any team could really go out there and beat another team. It's just, it's just the truth. So when you say winnable games, you say a team should beat this team. The Rams, one of the best teams in the NFC, just lost to the Jets. The Raiders should have lost to the Jets, but we're not going to even bring that up tonight. The Rams, Super Bowl contenders at the NFC, lost to the New York Jets and 38-year-old Frank Gore yesterday at home, at home. So when you say the term winnable games, you throw it out the window in today's NFL because really it's almost a level playing field when the pads go on and the lights come on. But for the real reason of... This Raider team has showed absolutely no heart for the better part of, I don't know, 40 months now, going on 40 months. We talked about it to death on this podcast. You get in a good situation, six and three. You battle the Chiefs to the end, and then you fall absolutely flat on your face. If it wasn't for Greg Williams and his cover zero, as we all know, this team would have lost Five straight games. So never, ever am I ever going to come on this podcast, tweet, do anything for the rest of my life, no matter what the Raiders' record is, 10-2, and 9-3, and 6-4, and four, whatever it is, and say, you know what, folks? There's some winnable games coming up. The Raiders got to take care of business. You know what? This team doesn't take care of business. I should have known better. We should know better. They haven't taken care of business for the better part of two decades. 
So shame on me for saying those types of things, that they should win these types of games. They should go and beat an Atlanta Falcon team that blows a lead in every single game that they play in. That they should beat a Charger team with a rookie quarterback. I'll beat a really good rookie quarterback. But at home, you should beat a Charger team that you're better than. The list goes on and on and on. I said it this week. Raiders beat the New Orleans Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs, two of the best teams in the National Football League. And we're sitting here at 7-7 seven and seven on the 21st day of December 2020, just like essentially we were at the same time last year. It's maddening. It's, it's mind-numbing to think that this could possibly happen again. But what you have to take from it is just they're mediocre. As a team, they are mediocre. Their offense is a very good offense. Their offense is a playoff offense. Everything else about this team, including the head coach and his decisions and performance, have been mediocre. Someone brought up the stat on Twitter. John Gruden in December, 25 and 40 in his career. That's not good, folks. That's not a good thing for your head coach to have on his resume. That doesn't make me a believer. And I'm the biggest John Gruden fan there is. The biggest. I couldn't wait for him to come back. I was so pumped up. Gruden's back. Chucky's back. Well, guess what? Chucky is back. And so is his December record for the teams that he coaches, which is not good. So that phrase, winnable games, easy part of the schedule, those will not be part of the Borsilli vernacular moving forward. Gone. Finit. Over. Okay, had to get that out of my... I've been waiting about five days to say that kind of stuff, so I had to get it out of my, my system. I don't want the bad juju happening around Christmas time. Let's get into the Charger game a little bit. The Charger game was basically like every single Raider game in the past five or six games. Justin Herbert was really good. He's a really good young quarterback. I'm taking nothing away from Justin Herbert. But... I mean, if you just watch, and I went back and watched it a couple times, some of the easiest throws you could ever possibly make, he had out there for him. Our cornerbacks have no idea what's going on, no idea where they're supposed to be. They had Daryl Worley basically signed off the street playing safety, out of position, not knowing where he's supposed to be, in an un basically in an unfair position. Rod Marinelli takes over as the, as the play caller. You knew that things weren't going to change that much. I told you on the podcast last week, there were going to be some personnel moves. You'll, you'll see more car and asset, but that was probably more to do with the injuries coming into the game. But it comes back to the central figure again. And we'll get to the total defense and how about... It's just that the, there is absolutely... We don't affect the quarterback at all. There is absolutely no pass rush ever. When there is pass rush, the quarterback just steps up in the pocket and makes easy throws. This defense is so bad on so many levels. I tweeted out the stat the other day. The Raider defense has allowed 30.1 points a game this season, most since 1961, which was their second year of, of, of existence. Easy for me to say. They've allowed 23 rushing touchdowns. That's second worst to Detroit, who's given up 24. They have allowed, and hear me when I say this loud and clear, 
They have allowed 36 points per game since week 11. They are giving up 40 freaking points a game in their last five games. 40, guys, 40 points. How can any team expect to win that way consistently? Yeah, your offense might go out there and put up 40 a week here, a week there. Sure. This, this offense is more than capable of putting up 40 po- uh, plus points. But this defense gives you zero shot. Zero. Like one of the historic bad defenses of all time. And you knew the firing of Paul Gunther wasn't going to change it. Maybe last week, definitely not last week on three days rest. We'll see what happens the last two games of the season. But this defense is the reason that this team is mediocre. The defense, for the better part of 20 years, has been so bad that we said it last week. The offense has to be absolutely perfect. In this game, you had no Keenan Allen, for the most part. No Mike Williams. They weren't the same guys. If those guys played, I I don't even... They might have put up 50. Herbert was tossing the ball around like it was me and you guys out in the the parking lot throwing passes to one another. It was the easiest thing in the world. I have no idea why Anthony Lynn went, punted, kicked field goals, or did any of that sort. I would have went for it on every single fourth down because you know why? They would have picked up every single fourth down. They picked up every single third down they got. Herbert was like 9 of 11 on third down, just like every single quarterback is. It's going to happen this week with Tua, too. Tua will kill you and shred you underneath with those types of plays. Uh, I mean, shout out to Anthony Lynn. I would have never punted. I would have never kicked field goals. I would have never done any of those things. And the Chargers might have put up 60. 60. Because they could do whatever they want on offense. And for the most part, the run, game, the run defense was actually was better in the first half. Chargers calling runs on third and one. I would have the ball in Herbert's hands every single time shredding this Raider defense. It's just absurd how bad it is. And that gets me to the point of what I, you know, I, I wanted to start with the phrase and the winnable games and all that stuff. But the point, and to hit the nail on the head of why this team is 7-7, seven and seven, other than the historic bad defense, is the head coach. You know, I know, my four-year-old son knows that the Raider defense cannot stop anyone. There's no one that cannot be stopped. Anybody could put points up on this Raider defense. And you're kicking field goals in overtime? Field goals. As if Justin Herbert wasn't going to get the ball and go right down the field and put it in the end zone. There is no logical explanation other than if it was like fourth and 30 after penalty after penalty from the 35 or fourth and goal from the 40, why you would kick a field goal. None. You battled all game. You had a backup quarterback in there battling, making good plays with his legs and his arms. You got a gift with the Chargers kicking field goals because Anthony Lynn, for some reason, wanted the Chargers to charge her. You got a gift, and you kicked the field goal. You had a quarterback that the Chargers couldn't stop on an RPO if their life depended on it. They didn't prepare for Marcus Mariota. They prepared for Derek Carr. Mariota was killing him with his legs. 
You telling me an RPO on fourth and five wouldn't have worked? There is no circumstance or rhyme or reason for you to kick a field goal there. It's the difference between you sitting at eight and six with a meaningful game against the Miami Dolphins in your building on Saturday night and playoff oblivion. Because you, once again, for some reason, trusted your defense. Nothing about this defense is trustworthy. And that leads me to the point of what is John Gruden thinking? What are we paying John Gruden 10 years and $100 million for? Yes, the offense in his third year has hit another cylinder. The offense at times versus the Chiefs especially looks unstoppable. Great. That's great. But John, he makes some of the most baffling decisions on fourth down or those types of situations that I've ever seen in my life. He knows you would feel like he would know better. This is where I'm getting to. Maybe he doesn't know better. Maybe this team needs a, obviously they need a new defensive coordinator. We can, we'll go down a list of guys that maybe Gruden can bring in to fix this mess of a defense in a little bit. But maybe he needs a voice to say, John, assistant head coach, John, don't do this. This is not smart. Don't kick a field goal there. Gruden tried a, he tried a Daniel Carlson out for a 65-yard field goal attempt to end the half. How'd you think that was going to play out? You think Carlson was going to nail a 65-yarder? Do you think that was going to pan out? I think there needs to be another voice. And I don't know if John Gruden's ego will let that happen. He might hire that person. He might hire a Wade Phillips or a Raheem Morris or maybe a Lovey Smith. I don't think Jim Schwartz. Uh, people are tweeting at me today about Jim Schwartz. I think John, John Gruden and Jim Schwartz would be like oil and water. I think they would kill each other. Schwartz would be awesome. I don't know what his contract is with the Eagles, but I just don't see that. But Gruden needs another coach. Now, Gunther was never a head coach for a reason. He's never going to be a head coach for a reason. For whatever those reasons are, we'll just put that to bed. But he was never a head coach for a reason. You need another voice, another head coach type to be your defensive coordinator and your assistant coach to say, John, uh-uh, can't do this. I'm not saying he has to have input on the play call. Let John call the plays. Let John do that kind of stuff. Fine. But in these critical moments, John, don't challenge that. John, got to go for it here, man. Our defense is, is, is giving it up tonight. We don't got it tonight. Go for it. Take the lead. Do it. But you would like to think in the, in the moment, John's watched the game. He saw, he's seen what Mariota's done to this defense. You know, pick a side. Mario had a couple of moments where he, he wasn't great. Granted, he hasn't played in a while. But he saw the flow of the game. And what rationale did you think, and he came out post-game and said it was fourth and five, it was a little closer. Who cares? Fourth and five, fourth and four, fourth and three, fourth and six. What's the difference? It wasn't fourth and 17. Your season depended on it. You relied on one of the worst and trusted one of the worst defenses that will go down in NFL history with your season. 
And to me, that screams mediocrity. If I was a player on the offense, I'd tell John Gruden, get the hell out of here, call a play. We're not leaving this field. I'm not leaving. If I'm Rodney Hudson, John, I ain't leaving. Let's go, call a play. I ain't trusting that defense. You saw what, what happens. Every, every, the only reason the Chargers came off the field, if time ran out, if they were kicking a field goal, I mean, that's the only way we stop teams. That's the only way the defense gets off the field. Did you think it was going to be any different? And even my wife, I love her. She doesn't watch as much football as, as people that are listening to this podcast. She doesn't really get it. But she was upstairs while my son and I were like maniacs down here watching a game. And she said, why do you kick a field goal? What's the difference? And you know what? She's exactly right. There was no difference. If you go for it and you don't get it, you're in the same spot as you did when you kicked the field goal because Herbert's going to go down there again and he's going to score a touchdown. It's not going to matter. You don't worry about them, oh, we're up a field goal. So what? Their field goal kicker missed two field goals. You think they had the confidence in him to go out there and hit a game winner? They're going to put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands and let him make a play. So field goal or not, it made no difference whatsoever. And that killed the Raiders' season. And I'm not saying that he is the main reason why this team's not going to go to the playoffs. It's not. It's the defense. That's the reason this team is not going to be in the playoffs. Again, the offense is playoff worthy. The defense is just trash and utter trash. So maybe they, they win that game and they lose their final two games. They still go eight and eight. Whatever the point is, give your team a chance. You don't get this. You don't know what's going to happen year to year. You don't know who's going to be here. Who's going to be here. Look at this year. Look at COVID in 2020. We didn't know if we were going to have a football season. You don't know what the future is going to bring. Play to win these, you know, Herm Edwards, play to win these games. John Gruden didn't play to win the game. He played it safe. He played it conservative. Why? Why, John? Why? Why would you play conservative with a defense that is going to go down as one of the worst in NFL history? Okay. Let's switch over to another key point on why I think this season has taken a turn for the worst. And that's the red zone offense. This team is bad in the red zone, guys. Just bad. They're 24th overall in red zone efficiency. They're not good on, at home. They're not good on the road. That's the main reason for some of these offensive struggles the past five, six weeks. And a lot of it has to do with the defense not getting turnovers. Everything's correlated. I get it. But this team is bad in the red zone. And that comes back to John Gruden as well. If I never see a quarterback roll out again inside the 10-yard line, I'll be a happy guy. Like, if my wife comes down and says, please, what do you want for Christmas? Like, that's what I want. Why would you ever roll anybody out? So two instances in this game, third, both on third down. Carr rolls out, gets hurt, injures his groin. In overtime, Mariota rolls out. Yeah, and if he hits in gold a little earlier, maybe he's in the, he's in the end zone. Fine. But why would you limit yourself you see what the Chiefs do. I know they have Kelsey. I know they have Tyreek Hill. I know they have all these guys. Go five wide. Spread them out. Go four wide. Let Mariota run it up the gut. Do something. He's got to get better in the red zone. This team has better targets now. Brian Edwards didn't see basically any snaps. Obviously, Ruggs was out with the COVID stuff. You got Foster Moreau. All he does is score touchdowns. You got Aguilar. 
You got Waller, the best tight end in the freaking NFL. You got Jacobs. You got the point is you got weapons. You brought in Jason Witten because you said he was going to be a red zone target. Let him catch the passes in the red zone, but don't limit yourself with these stupid rollouts. He, John Gruden, has to be better in the red zone. He has to be a better play caller when it matters the most. There are teams, you look at the Tennessee Titans, you look at those teams, they are immaculate in the red zone. They get down there, and yes, they have Derrick Henry. We have Josh Jacobs. Let Jacobs get in the end zone. I want to see Josh Jacobs with the ball in space. We saw in a couple times versus the Chargers, Jacobs with the ball in space is a different player instead of Jacobs up the gut, nowhere to run, nowhere to wiggle. Let him get in space. Spread him out. Flip it to Jacobs. Let him get in there. It boggles my mind. So as bad as the defense has been, historically bad, I'll keep on saying historically bad, how bad it's been. The red zone offense hasn't been great either. That's got to get better for this team to, to take the next step. You have a middle-to-the-road bad defense and better play in the red zone. We're talking about a you know, 10-4 and four football team right now. 9-5. and five. Battling in a tough AFC. You knew it wasn't going to be easy in the AFC. I've said it on this podcast the whole time. It was not going to be easy in the AFC. There's going to be a 10-win football team that misses the playoffs. All three of the wild cards might have 11 wins. Even more of a reason to go for it on fourth down and overtime and be better in the red zone. Get more creative. Get your mind out of wherever it is. Watch some chief film. Patrick Mahomes has 55 touchdown passes a year, 20 of them a little dump-offs, little shovel passes from the two-yard line to Kelsey because nobody could stop it. Why would anybody stop Darren Waller on those plays? Nobody would. Nobody would. Get creative. They got to be better in the red zone. And it was extremely more frustrating because you had a, a more, more mobile quarterback and Marcus Mariota that could have used his legs. Let's talk about the quarterbacks for a minute. You know, if you listened to this podcast before, you know how much I love Derek Carr. I'm a Derek Carr guy. Marcus Mariota played very well. Very well. He was decisive. He used his legs. He looked spry. He looked refreshed. He was great in his decision-making. The knock on him in Tennessee was he held the ball way too long, took too many bad sacks, and didn't pull the trigger. He was pulling the trigger. Give him credit. Guy came out of nowhere. Give John Gruden and Mike Mayock credit as well. We all poo-pooed the Mariota, myself included, saying, you know, money, money wasted. Well, it wasn't money wasted because he gave the team a chance to win. If that was Nathan Peterman coming in the game, that game would have been 30 33 to 3. You know, 28 to 6 type of deal. Mariota had that team winning that football game. I liked what I saw from him. I really did. He had nice rapport with Darren Waller. The touchdown throw to Waller was spectacular. Some of the throws to Aguilar were great. The RPO stuff was tremendous. Again, the Chargers didn't prepare for this stuff. They prepared for Derek Carr and they got Mariota. But this is Derek Carr's team. We all know this. He's not getting Wally pipped here. Even if Mariota plays well over the next couple weeks, this is not the, the Raiders moving on from Derek Carr, from Marcus Mariota. You need a bigger sample size. This is not 
Carson Wentz gets benched for poor play, and Jalen Hurts is coming in, lighting the world on fire. These are two different scenarios here. Mariota's a veteran guy trying to resurrect his career. Carr didn't get benched for bad play. Carr got hurt. This is his football team. It wouldn't shock me at all to see him playing versus the Miami Dolphins, to see him gutting it out and getting out there. Now, if he's going to hurt the football team, maybe he shouldn't be out there, but it really doesn't matter. This team's essentially eliminated from the playoffs. So if it's going to risk long-term injury for Carr, I'm, I'm not with it. Maybe he should sit. But this is Derek Carr. Say it with me. This is Derek Carr's football team. People want to sit out there and say, oh, we can get out of Derek Carr's contract and, and spend more money on the defense. That does nothing for me. Nothing. For two reasons. A, more money on the defense doesn't mean you're going to pick the right players. And two, this is a small sample size for Mariota. He's going to go up against a really, if Carr can't go on Saturday, a really good Dolphins team. Let me see it versus Miami. Let me see it. But even so, the Raiders are in a good position with two guys that could play. Two guys. Carr doesn't miss much time. But in the two instances that he did, could you imagine in 2016 if the Raiders had a backup like Mariota? It would have been a different story than 430 Connor Cook versus the Houston Texans in the playoffs. So they're in a good spot. But this is Carr's football team. He's not getting supplanted by Marcus Mariota. I don't want to hear that talk because it's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, at the risk of old takes exposed here, I'll say, it again, it's not going to happen. Derek Carr was playing at a Pro Bowl level this season. I know it's hit the skids the past couple games. Hasn't been great. The run game hasn't been good. But this is his football team. Even Marcus Mariota admits that. So the season really just derailed by a couple things. Historically, Horrendous defense. I don't know where you go. Do you hire Wade Phillips? He's going to bring a 3-4. He's going to bring pass rush. Maybe Corey Littleton fits in better. Joiner. They bring in a guy like John Johnson. I don't know. Lovey Smith. You need a new voice on defense, and you need a sterner voice. You need a former head coach that could Gruden can lean on in situations. But the story of this season, 7-7. Seven and seven. I don't know where it goes. Does it go 7-9? and nine? Does it go 9-7? and seven? But three reasons. Historically bad defense, really bad offense in the red zone. Just bad. The offense in the red zone has been bad. And some just baffling decisions by John Gruden when he needed to be better, essentially on fourth downs, showing faith in his football team that he thinks they can get the job done. And that's not just putting faith in the defense. I'm talking about putting faith in his offense. He's an offensive guy. Show faith in your offense. Show faith they can go out there and get the job done. But it sucks, guys. There's no way to put it. It's four days before Christmas. As Raider fans, we all know we're getting coal in our stockings again, just like every single year before. It sucks. You had it right in front of you. But he can't keep going out there year after year, assembling a good team, playing well early in the season, and collapsing. There's got to be a change. There's got to be something else missing. I don't know if that's veteran leadership. I don't know if that's a coach that's going to be in John Gruden's ear to, to make him be better. Maybe it's both. This team needs to find it because every year in the NFL is different. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know injuries are going to happen, this and that. And now you have Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, 
And never know with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos might end up with Carson Wentz next year, for all we know. But you just never know. This cannot happen in 2021. This team, we can't be sitting here on this podcast, listening to this podcast at 1030 at night, 1221, 2021, thinking about another Raider collapse. They got to be more mentally tough. They got to find that mental toughness. They got to find better players on defense. They got to find how to score points in the red zone. They do those things. They're going to be one of the top teams in the AFC. But until they do that, they're going to be absolutely mediocre and continue to be mediocre. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Enjoy the holiday. We got Saturday night football coming up. Hopefully it's a win. But with the Raiders, you never know. Take care, everybody.